Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, coming to you on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, August 9th. Uh, we are, Andy, officially in that dead period mm-hmm. where nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is not going to keep us from recording a podcast. It might no. keep us from recording a good one, but not a show. That's what we do for you people. That's right. Um, and you've already clicked on it. So <laughs> at this point... We win. Suck. <laughs> you might as well stick with us for a little while. Or you know what? Or just leave it on and turn the volume down. We then I'll we get honest. the same we get the same click whether you listen or not. And it's the time of Yeah, yeah. the time spent. We we actually don't care if none of you have ever heard a single podcast as long as you just kept it on. Yeah, I was about to say that's sort of my I don't know if you call it dirty little secret, you know, whatever. If they did that all the time. Yeah. That's okay. That's what I'm saying. I don't care if you've ever heard any of this. As long as you just keep it on. Like when we wrote that book a long time ago, yes. Andy and I co-authored, we were the sort of the, the with in the, in the uh, autobiography of Bass Fisherman, Mike Iconelli. Um, we always told people, go buy the book. We didn't tell them to read it. No. Just buy it. No, often advised against reading it. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> in fact <laughs> so you know look, you you've been a good enough friend to purchase this thing. Don't read don't, it. Don't open it. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have a couple things to talk about, um, starting with this, and it's not exactly a surprise, but it, it does, I think, reflect a few uh, summer talking points, to say the least. ESPN, in its summertime polling, predicting what's coming up for the next year, has its Rookie of the Year predictions, and not surprisingly, Lonzo Ball, overwhelming favorite to be the number one, uh, the, the Rookie of the Year. And you're in 140 uh, voting points. The next closest was Dennis Smith Jr. with the Mavericks, uh, 86. Right. So, so Lonzo came close to doubling the next guy. Right. Almost as many as everybody else combined. So you had Dennis Smith, Ben Simmons, third. By the way, oh, yeah, him, Ben Simmons, the guy who was the number one pick last year, uh, who we've sort of stopped talking about, Markel Fultz, and then De'Aaron, uh, De'Aaron Fox. So two things jump out. First, be a good year of rookies. Yeah. Second, Lonzo mania, Lonzo fever, is without question one of the dominant storylines going into the season. And he's going to have to do something to kind of take that away in terms of not just the rookie of the year stuff. He plays well. He has a leg up just starting out because so much attention and so much of the narrative is already going to be built around him. If he plays well, it's it's going to confirm to people what they already thought. What do you mean when you said when you said he has to do something to take that away? What did you mean? He's going to have to play poorly. Something bad's going to happen. Okay. He's going to have to not be good. Okay, I, I didn't. It's, quite... his, it's his to lose. Okay, the, the way you phrased it, I didn't quite understand what you meant. Um, what I think is interesting, though, Brian, this this notion of Lonzo as the preemptive favorite for Rookie of the Year. The question of how important is it that he actually wins? Because normally. You just want to see, you know, your high lottery draft picks. You want to see them just perform at a high level for a rookie, display flashes, you know, Mm -hmm. put themselves in a conversation, make it obvious that they've got talent, you know, to have like a rookie of the year caliber season, whether they win it or not. But with all the face of the franchise talk, the transcendent player talk, Magic preemptively declaring that free agents are excited to play with, with Lonzo. Him. Yeah, with Lonzo. He has said Lonzo by name before he's actually played an NBA game. If he do, 
if Lonzo doesn't win, even if he plays well, is he being I, set up for disappointment? Too, well, sort of. I mean, in some degree, he's being set up to, for disappointment regardless because at some point, the Lonzo backlash is going to come. Oh, yeah. There will be cushlash. Um, if it hasn't happened already, I think there's been a lot of – Lonzo has been largely protected, I think, from some of the backlash, A, because there hasn't been that much time, and he's played really well in the summer league, and it was fun to watch. But also, most of it has been directed at LeVar. But eventually, Lonzo's going to get on the court. He's going to play really well, and he's going to you know have a stretch where he doesn't. I mean, the important thing, though, I think, is really how you start, because Kristaps Porzingis, for example, who's great. I don't have a problem with him. But – his success at the NBA level has been partially defined by how good he was for the first two months and how surprising it was that he was that effective that quickly. Because then if you start to break down month to month his first two years and what it looks like and all that, he's had some really dry months. He's had months where he shoots 30. Both both seasons he's been in the NBA, he's tailed off down the stretch. You know, I I think there are concerns that conditioning – could be a factor for for uh, Porzingis just being able to go through an entire 82-game season consistently. And the other side of what you're talking about is D'Angelo Russell. Yes. Who his rookie year got off to a slow start. You know, the second or third game of the year, he ended up matched up against Emmanuel Moutier. Who torched him. Torched him. And also, too, like, you know, Emmanuel Moutier is built. You know, I mean, he, he looks – he looked like D'Angelo Russell's father. <laughs> like, he looked just older than him, more developed than him. And it painted a perception of D'Angelo struggling as a rookie that, you know, on top of what went on with the Nick Young video and, you know, Byron trashing him, you know, basically as a daily exercise, it obscured the fact that D'Angelo had a lot of really good moments as a rookie. Yeah. You know, Brandon Ingram started out slowly during his rookie season, and, per- and it painted a perception of Ingram that combined with some pretty pedestrian numbers on the surface obscure the fact that over the last couple months of the season, Ingram played, well. played really sure. well. Sure. But, like, you know, Russell, to that point, Russell's PER last year was at somewhere around almost – it was almost 16, I think. Porzingis was 17 and a half. So, you know, a little bit of a difference, and PER is not the you know end-all, be-all of every single – but it's, it's, a, it's a shorthand. And Porzingis, it's not like he was light years ahead of what Russell was doing, but if you pulled 1,000 NBA fans, 990 of them – would say that Porzingis is, oh, he's awesome in Russell's... And Trudell will vote 10 times. Right. And he, he just he puts on a fake mustache. <laughs> he puts on a wig. Yeah. And so, you know, that makes a difference. That's the voting know, fraud commission. If Lonzo comes out and he plays well in those first couple months, nobody will care in, you know, February when he's going through a 15-game slump because we'll have all already decided that Lonzo's good. I think where the bigger threat to whether or not it matters isn't so much whether or not he wins the rookie of the year. It's as if the Lakers go backwards. You know, if if Lonzo doesn't mean they win five more games or six more, you know, ten more games or whatever it might is, whether that's his fault or not, it's not going to be Lonzo's. Lonzo's not going to be the reason they win 38 games next year if that's what they get to or 15 because other things are going to contribute to that. But the focus will be, oh, my God, he didn't really make everyone better if they go from, what was it, 26 last year back down to 22. Or just sit, or sit at, stay 26. at 26 or whatever it is. So I, 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 I sense the danger that you're talking about, 
But if See, he gets I, think off, it's, I think it's real. I think I, no, they, I agree I with do. you. Well, if he gets, but I'm saying if he gets off to a good start and he plays well, and the Lakers have a natural improvement, they get to 33 wins or something like that, which is I think is realistic given yeah. the roster. 30. I think that's what they, that's, that's what Vegas, Vegas has them at right now. 33 um, and. Ben Simmons wins the Rookie of the Year, or Markel Fultz wins Rookie of the Year. I don't think it damages the Lakers. I, if, I don't know. But if I the mean, other with, stuff doesn't happen, with all these problem. recruiting machinations, you know, already in motion with the Lakers, you know, a lot of this is perception turns into reality. And let's say Lonzo, for whatever reason, finishes third. In rookie of the year, third because he's seen to have a disappointing season, or because either other way, guys I mean, look, if he's, if Ben he, Simmons is a force of nature, and but if he, but if, you know, if transformative, ben, like everybody thought he was going to be last year, but but Ben Simmons doing this during the season that was supposed to be about Lonzo the rookie taking over the NBA, I do think that's going to damp you know damper a a certain perception. Around around the that. league, I mean, it, this, it's the danger. It's the danger in setting him up to yes. be the savior. Yeah, I mean, it, when you are all, it's funny actually. You, you and I have talked before about how you know, on the court specifically, there is no reason that Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell couldn't have played together. No, actually, I mean, it would look good, right? I mean, and there are certain well, offensively. Look, there there are certain issues, you know, offensively. You're right, yeah, but you know, they're giving up 140 points a game. And, <laughs> So there is there is one reason that that they uh, that on the court it would. Although I will say with, with KCP in place, they're probably set to give up about 126. But I mean, this team is not going to be great defensively. I think next year anyway. You know, th- there are off the court issues with D'Angelo. That, you know that we've gotten into a zillion times. And we don't need to get into again. That could, in some ways, necessitate the need for a trade. And also, too, if you're looking to offload Mozgov, it's the cost of doing business. But, you know, recently it sort of dawned on me that with what they've been doing with Lonzo and selling Lonzo as, you know, again, the face of the organization, even mm-hmm. the way they've been talking up Ingram, it's, it is already Lonzo's No, this is team. Lonzo's show. You may have needed to move D'Angelo just to make that happen. I think I think there's I think there's a lot of that was part of it. Was, was like, part of their I, I don't know if they could have done Culturally, this. it wasn't going to work. With the two of them together. So again, when you when you already are doing this before a guy has actually played a game, mm-hmm. it it does mean that I think you're setting up somewhat of other earthly expectations that have to be hit in very specific, in some ways, very surface ways in order for it to work. Well, you talk about surface things. Here's one thing that'll always help, and why I think Lonzo is is safer. Then at least like to use D'Angelo as an example, safer than D'Angelo. Lonzo, the the one thing you know if you're cutting highlights together every night, you're gonna be able to do once or twice a game. He's gonna make a cool looking pass, yep, absolutely. That's gonna go out on Twitter. It's gonna go, you know, it's gonna be a uh, top ten plays. It's gonna be all this stuff, and that's the narrative. Lonzo will make you better, and so even if Lonzo's actually not making better when you start really digging into the analytics and all this kind of stuff and i think he will but i'm just saying even if he isn't he's struggling the shot doesn't work or whatever it is you're still going to get two or three times a game somebody tweeting out something on sports or whatever of lonzo making an awesome pass and um that is going to be the kind of thing that the lakers want to build the one thing that 
that sort of hangs, the whole thing hangs on, is the one skill that he has that I am very confident will not slump. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Lonzo's ability to break Twitter could end up ultimately the biggest exactly. force in what and I'm so talking about. It doesn't matter if he doesn't make quite as much defensive progress as you think, or you know he shoots 31% from three. I mean, the, it matters, but n- I don't think it hurts what you're talking about. Oh, we'll, we'll see. As long as you have this endless parade of you know awesome passing highlights. Okay. And look, I, I think there is a good I think there's a good chance that Lonzo can meet, you know, if if not match the hype just because the hype is insane. I think if nothing else he he can pull it off right. in a way that people feel but satisfied. But you know, there is the sort of thing that comes along with being the guy expected to do something in the same way that you're when you start the year as the, the the consensus number one pick all people do all year long is look for yeah. a reason for you not to be the number one pick anymore um so i get where you're coming at um the nba is addressing i think um in pretty aggressive ways the dnp rest thing uh, we know the schedule. It's starting earlier. It, it was it by almost two uh, by a week. It's a little more than a week that they're starting the season earlier. And by doing that, it is going to do the following: eliminating uh, stretches of four games in five days, and eighteen games in thirty days. So these sort of killer things. The N- NBA released a memo outlining all this stuff. Reduction of five games in seven nights, just forty instances. So that's one a little over one per team. Uh, down from last year when it was on the schedule 90 times, or three per team. A reduction in back-to-backs to 15 per team from over 16 last year, 40 back-to-backs eliminated from last season's schedule. Reduction of single-game road trips by 17%. You remember last year, Andy, this was the thing that drove Walton nuts when they flew up to Minnesota for a day mm-hmm. and came back. As like he said, like, you know, we just flew over Minnesota. Can we have just stopped while we were there, you know? So that kind of thing drives them nuts. A reduction in single-game road trips over 2,000 miles by 67%. Uh, now there are only 11 of them on the schedule. Obviously, that's the kind of thing that applies to coastal teams like the Lakers. So, And then they're going to also play a lot more games on Saturdays. NBA pretty aggressively saying, look, play your players. You know what this means, too? Lou Aldang is going to be a monster. Yes, he is. With this type of rest, <laughs> this is the comeback year for Lou Aldang. He's, he's he is going to look a spry thirty eight this coming season. <laughs> Still one, you know. I, he, I, Tom Thibodeau, <laughs> like Benjamin buttoned him, or like whatever the opposite is, or what, what's the thing you know where you age too fast, whatever. It's it is. Jonathan Winters and Mork and Mindy. Basically, <laughs> you're born you're born as a, an old man. Yes, and he I, biologically he's thirty. Three, thirty-four. Like well, we've talked all. about this before. Like a season under uh, Thibodeau is the equivalent of how one year for a dog is seven, seven years, years for a human. Been, exactly, and so he he's been he's been damaged that way. Like it really speaks to how much Jimmy Butler may have wanted to get out of Chicago. They'd go back to Thibodeau in Minnesota. Yes, like, like it, Butler just realized the dumpster fire. I got to get the hell out of here. I'm willing to age myself, but like, do you? Do you, is this going to work? I mean, ultimately, I think what's going to happen is, and the NBA is trying to protect more than anything. It's, they're trying to protect their national TV games, and you're, you're going to see very few when you see the national TV schedule come out. And I think it's we're about a, a week or two away from that. Very few times the Golden State Warriors, when they play that ABC game, if at all, are going to have a game the night before or the night after. Spurs, same thing. All these teams that are going to end up there, they're not going to be playing the night before. 
And so they're trying to protect the TV product more than anything. Well, it's interesting when you're saying that there's going to be increases Saturday games. And, you know, the past couple of years, they've been trying to turn those Saturday games into marquee games. So what I imagine they're going to be trying to do is say, okay, we're going to give you more resting. Saturdays and Sundays. Right. We're going to be giving you more resting opportunity. And we're going to be increasing the amount of these marquee games, the ones that we're really trying to showcase the league. Figure out your rest schedule while keeping people available for these specific games. We get more marquee outings that you're going to participate in. You get more. Well, keep in mind though, but keep in mind the Saturday and Sundays and stuff. They don't. They don't. ABC doesn't broadcast until after Christmas. Like so, this is purely an issue of historically what you know what what Wendy wrote on ESPN.com is just that they've been trying. They don't schedule games on Saturdays because it's college football. They try to avoid Sunday afternoons because it's pro football, and they you know they want to preserve the audience for those things. So it means you end up playing more games on weeknights. They're willing to sacrifice some of that stuff to get these guys on the floor. I don't think it's necessarily – I think teams will play ball a little bit. I think you'll see some reduction in it. But I still think Greg Popovich is going to do what he wants. Well, But here's I the still thing. Think, this is what I wonder. You is, know, d- down the stretch, Steve Kerr is going to do what he wants. This is what I wonder is how much Popovich is sort of the outlier because he's still the guy that does this to the most extreme level. You know, Steve Kerr has been doing it too. But really, I mean, it's considered – whether correctly or not, a Popovich thing, and yeah, a, the Cavs sit LeBron. Sure, I mean, they're, they're, they're right, are, but I mean, but the Cavs also too. I mean, in fairness to Cleveland, some of that was about look. LeBron now is going into his. This would be, you know, at the time this was his seventh straight final. The guy needs to rest. I agree. So, I do. I do think you're going to get some more cooperation from teams, if for no, if for nothing else than the marquee games. And, you know, they're going out of their way to make the marquee games easier for players to participate in. And while I'll be perfectly honest, I think it's just as crappy to tell some to tell some fans, you know, watching a random Wednesday game in Orlando, you guys don't count. So if you get shortchanged, so be it. I get it. I mean, I I think that's pretty crappy, to be honest. I mean, you're, you're turning NBA fans into haves and have nots based on television and market size. But do I think the majority of teams, I think, will try to accommodate this more just because they can see they're being accommodated too. I, I think the what'll be fun to see is too is like down the stretch of games of the season, who, teams that aren't you know the Bucks who aren't you know a national TV kind of team, you know the Thunder are going to be there all the time, the 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 Warriors are going to be on there all the time, the Cavs all the time, the Celtics all the time, but some of these other teams that are relevant but not on national TV all the time, how do they approach rest versus some of these other marquee teams? Because I agree with you. I think in the end they'll probably play ball because it's not worth it not to. But they're still. But you rest the guys the I other day. I mean, you, t- you rest guys the other day. And what, what I want to see is does the league, if the marquee teams have those guys playing in, the, in, these, in these big games, do they back off on the other stuff and let them rest on a game that isn't? Because oh, I again, think they will. I think they will too. Again, but, like I said, it's crappy too. But you, but, but I, it is what. It, but I I'm not I'm not an anti rest person. Neither am I. And so I ultimately the I get John Ireland's argument and Trudell's argument that you have a responsibility to the league and guys should play. All the research shows that if you're if you're going to rest, you should not suit up. It's you can't do. 
you know, 15 minutes and then sit back down, whatever. If you're not going to play, don't even get dressed. Get dressed, but don't play. I don't see how you can tell teams they can't do that. If you think that's best for your team and you're trying to win a championship, and particularly given how crappy the playoffs were this year, and you know you want guys to be playing, you want guys to be healthy, you want that product to look good. I, I so I think this becomes the compromise. Don't make us look bad on national television. Right. I agree, and we will leave you alone when you arrest your guys in that Wednesday game. But you know what, though, I mean, we were talking before about you know, Kawhi doesn't even make the flight, right? But we were talking before about you know Popovich, and you know ultimately is is. Popovich going to be the guy who cooperates. I I do think it's important to remember that a some of these things Popovich was doing or Steve Kerr was doing, it was blatantly a middle finger to the league Correct. for the way they were scheduled for certain games, Correct. and they're basically saying bleep off, we're not you know f off, we're not doing this. But I think too there also is sometimes an exaggerated view of how frequently and how many teams are actually employing regular rest. Yes, it's really overblown. I mean, last year it was essentially. A Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio issue. Like good teams that are doing it. But even a I mean, lot of good teams. Westbrook take a, like a game. Maybe like, a game or whatever. Like game. Hard, one or two. I was going to say Houston was not regularly resting guys. Right. Oh, okay, they, see, they, not they, regularly. They, they, certainly not until. Boston was not right, regularly until the very end so like, when they were set in a playoff. But that's why right. I think ultimately most teams are going to cooperate because most teams are anyway. Right. Most teams are not regularly resting guys. It's two or three of them. Or you're tanking. Right, or you're, which is a totally separate exactly. Um, yeah, so th- this I think will be the kind of you know play ball. Maybe we can uh, we we can stop talking about it. Don't make us look bad. Nobody likes to be embarrassed. No, uh, it's it's similar to the rule that we suspect ultimately ultimately pissed off uh, Iggy Azalea with Nick Young. If they had a you know, I'll look the other way. When you're with the groupies on the road type deal, yes, the trade off was don't, don't make, make me look bad. Don't make me look stupid. Nick made her look stupid by talking about this stuff with D'Angelo, who Snapchatted it, right? And that was the end of a relationship that was bound to end anyway. All right, so I want to play a game with you now. Um, our friend Kurt Heelan at uh, NBC Sports did a list of who's going to make the Western Conference All Star team this year, mm-hmm. trying to predict that. Um, I want you to tell me if this person is or is not. On Kurt Heelan's okay. projected all-star team. Okay. I'm going to leave off. We're not going to bother with Westbrook, Curry, Durant, okay. starter. You know, guys are going to get voted in. Paul George. Yes. He is on the uh, projected all-star team. Jimmy Butler. No. He is. Okay. Clay Thompson. No. He is. Hmm. DeMarcus Cousins. No, he is not. Damian Lillard. No, he never is. <laughs> he never is. And this is what makes Port- everybody, everybody in Portland's like, please don't vote for Damian. Oh no, I, I, I think Portland's actually they're they're involved with like voting fraud and stuff. Like, I, I actually think they're hacking. I think Portland- they're the only team in the league that has an active campaign not to vote for that oh, guy I, because every year Damian Lillard doesn't get on the All Star team, and every year after that he averages fifty seven oh, points yeah. a game. Oh yeah, they're they're hacking the NBA's uh, headquarters. They're making sure he doesn't end up on there. Nikola Jokic. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's not predicted, but I actually think of all one of the guys who may just force his way onto the All-Star team, he's one of them. Um, 
point being here, here's who he has. is, is Starters, Westbrook, Curry, Durant, Leonard, uh, Davis. You could be end up somewhere. Reserves, Harden, Clay, CP, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns, Draymond. Guys who That's don't. That's a hell of a team. It's a right really, there. really <laughs> that good is a team. a hell of a team. Now listen to who doesn't get on in this scenario. Lillard, DeMarcus, Paul Millsap, Mike Conley, again, Jokic, Devin Booker, who could average 42 points a game this year. Marginal. He seems to me somebody silly to even include here. McCollum. Kind of fringe to include anyway. Eastern Conference. If he's in the East, he's probably on the team. Sure. Blake, Griffin. Yeah. uh, DeAndre. Mm Mm-hmm. Marcus Saul, yeah, Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. These are all people who have no, either made good. all-star teams or good. Right, really good players. Some have been on the all-NBA team. My question is not about is he right or wrong, because Kurt will tell you. He's just a guess. Well, and it's August. Who right. <laughs> <laughs> heaven cares? Where is that? <laughs> I mean, really, Shame. gives a rat's ass right no, that, now. There is also that. <laughs> it is a shockingly irrelevant question to be asking. What the hell's the matter with you, Kurt? Appreciate you pointing that out. Um, <laughs> should we just stop here? No. <laughs> it's over. No, I mean, carry, carry this okay, forth. So my question is. Regarding, regarding the, the gone this far. mental note, scratch the part where I say, Does, will Jimmy Butler really make the All-Star team? This is going to be my follow-up. Of course that wasn't my question. By the way, for those listening, this is going to lead uh, Thompson Trudell tomorrow. <laughs> it's and, never too early for Trudell. every day to between now and October. It's never too early for Trudell. <laughs> he lo- he loves shot. it. It was a cheap shot, Andy. But am I wrong? No. It was a cheap doesn't make it any less oh, mean. Stop. And uh, Vindic- you're exactly Mike's my right buddy. A little, little friend. <laughs> but <laughs> so, but. a little buddy. You can put him in a pocket. Um, all right. So my question is really this, because as you say, <laughs> who cares? But when you look at this and then you think about the 2018 plan, it is banana. This is just to get on an all-star team, which these guys care about, whatever. Yeah. This is not. Sometimes it means money. This is not how I'm going to get to the Western Conference Finals or how I'm going to get to the Finals Finals, whatever. Like, Denver is walking into this season with Nikola Jokic, who is, I think has the potential to just, like, break down the, the thing to, like, top 10 NBA player this year. You, you can make a huge leap. I'm a big fan. With Paul Millsap with Murray and Gary Harrison. Like, they have a lot of good players on this team. Literally nobody talks about them. Like, they, they're they considered, like, the 11th best team in the conference. Nobody talks about them. It's really hard out here. So when this, the 2018 plan comes along, and Curry, or I'm sorry, like, you know, Paul George and Westbrook and LeBron and all this stuff, and they're all sitting there talking about where they can play together and joining them, joining forces and all that. They can still have that conversation, but at some point, doesn't don't you worry that they're going to look at this and say, at lists like this, where you say C.J. McCollum or Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan are, have no chance of making an all-star. Or here's a wrinkle. Here's a wrinkle that might piss right. some of these guys off. What if you could end up losing a spot because Lonzo gets voted on, sure, as a rookie. 
but but point there's so much which ta- I don't think is necessarily so impossible. much talent in terms of stuff like this. So much talent, which means so many talented teams. Yeah, that you say to yourself, why does everyone keep going west? Why don't we do this, but do it in Miami? Why don't we do this in? You know, well, not Charlotte. <laughs> Why don't we do this in Philly? But you know what? Why don't we do this in to a, some in a, degree in a, in a city where not only can we get ourselves together, we can also write our ticket to, to the finals. To, we got Boston. And here's the thing: to some, to some degree, though, I think you answered your own question, even if you didn't mean to. Like when you said, "It's my, August," I, I might have just set it up that way. <laughs> well, when you said Miami, for example, like you know, then you still have to figure out, okay, the machinations to get to this team. I understand, you st- that. but 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 like you also though, you start thinking about, okay, blank slate. Like you have to find a team that has the ability to all of a sudden start reconfiguring themselves to bring in all these guys that also has the coach in place that guys want to play for that has the infrastructure in place. That. I think right now, guys, even recognizing how brutal it is in the West, I think there are more high-end coaches in the West than the East. There are more organizations that are considered well-run in the West than in the East. I think that's true. And the West is just, I think, considered the better, more stable conference to be in, even if it's more difficult. I, right. But, I mean, and, and look, I, part of what makes 2018 And there are, plan- better, there are better players there to join up in some ways it's easier to right, do but half the of them are free agents you know like you're going to join i guess you could swap out a, a player i mean i think most people expect cp to stay in houston you know i think that's the yeah that's the general idea um certainly they do but you know you yeah you can find pieces here and there to join and all that kind of stuff but in terms of i'm just talking about like when they talk about the guys who are free agents who can say let's do this together where can we do it and i i'm setting aside to some degree some of the salary cap stuff and the lake no, really understand. set up well for that and fewer teams now actually are going to have the kind of space to do this and all this all worked out very well in that regard i'm just saying it, it it's it's almost too good out here and so if if the idea is let's do it and so we can win man you could put together a team like if you put Paul George and Russ together, leave LeBron out of it for just a second, but put Paul George and Russ together with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram in the Western Conference. That's not automatically the best team. No. I mean, it's not the worst, and it's a playoff team and whatever, but it, like that's not better than Golden State, I don't think. It may not be better than San Antonio. Maybe it is. It's maybe right up there with Houston. I mean, it's, it's like... You know, you add LeBron to that, maybe it pushes you over the edge. If you put three of them, and the Lakers are talking about it, maybe having room for three. You put LeBron, Westbrook, and and Paul George, just pick any three. Okay. But, like, Golden State's got two or three more years of this where you're going to have to get past them. There's going to be a Houston. There's going to be San Antonio. Denver's coming up. Minnesota's coming up. I mean, the the crappy teams out west are not that crappy. The Lakers aren't going to be terrible this year. I mean, how many crappy teams are there going to be in the West this year? Genuinely god-awful teams. Phoenix, I think, is going to be pretty bad. I think Sacramento... But, but even Phoenix, night to night, is... A, you know, well, was, I mean, it depends. I don't want to get into the weeds on how but, you define you crappy. I but you understand what I'm saying. But I, consider really 30 win, like, I consider 30 win teams pretty bad. 30 win I'm, I'm, see, I'm talking in that, like... like Teens? In the teens, yeah. I'm not sure any team in the West is going to be in the teens. Right. Whereas in the East, like, the only reason they won't have... 
more games in the teens is because they all have to play each other. Sure. So it's just it's so much easier on the other on the other. I, I I'm just I I, I think at some point I the, wonder if there's concern. I think, about I think that could end That's up. Hap- I think that could end up happening, and you know, a team like Philadelphia with a young core could be attractive. You know, Pat Riley. Although he doesn't seem to be the automatic free agent magnet that he used to be, you know, you you'll always give Riley the respect that he sure, might be able but, to figure but, out. And Miami is a really desirable right. city to and, go play. You know, and, Boston, Spo, and people like Spo. Boston has a great coach, you know, a, a good organization with a lot of movable pieces, things like that. I also think, too, to some degree, with all these great players in the West, it just becomes easier to join something that's ready made. And players want to know exactly what it is if you're you signing up for. If you want to go join Houston, if you want I mean, to go like, join, you know, Russ stays in OKC. Forming, you can go Vol- join, right. forming Voltron from scratch is really difficult. And I've heard a lot of people, you know, who really understand the cap, you know, and really understand how, you know, the putting together salaries works, say that, you know, what Miami did, you know, with, with uh, the big three and the Heatles, like, that's just unlikely to happen again. Right. Where like well, it, where, where okay. it really starts from scratch. Sure. And to some degree, that's what the Lakers are doing, is opening up the space. You have a couple young players. I mean, in the equivalent of that in the East is Philly, where they have even more young players sure. and, and, and stuff. But, but you're also talking about, at that point, two teams out of 30 that might be in the position to do it. If LeBron and blank make it clear that they want to go to pick a city, They'll figure out a way to get it done. It always that that generally speaking will happen. Um, it's just something to think about. It, you know that that list kind of it just crystallized it for me because here's the you know I'll just read the names: Lillard, Cousins, Millsap, Conley, Jokic, McCollum, Dirk, uh, Blake, Jordan, Gasol, Gobert. Like all of them wouldn't make the All Star team in this scenario. That is, and if they do, that means. Carl Anthony Towns sure, no, isn't. I, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. It is extraordinary how many people there are out here. Um, all right. Would you want to do fruit before we go? Yeah, sure. So I like First We Feast, the website. Yeah, it's a good website. It's a cool, it's a cool website. It's all about food. They have, Andy, a definitive list of fruits, the, the ranking, the definitive ranking of fruits. This is arbitrary. Would you agree? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you agree this is a very arbitrary list? Um, First of all, it's August. It's way too early. <laughs> also, now this is more likely what uh, I would be talking about yes. on Thompson and Trudeau tomorrow. <laughs> uh, were I on. But what's kind of funny about this is here's the top ten. They kind of nail it. The Peaches, number ten. Mm-hmm. Peaches uh, lose points for the fuzzy skin, which is admittedly weird. Although they say white peaches and donut peaches are garbage, I disagree. I think a good white peach is actually one of the great fruits that God ever made. Number nine, grapes. And they take the time to point out that if you freeze them, if you put them in the freezer. Frozen grapes are great. It's like candy. Frozen grapes are fantastic. Number eight, mango. Mango, mango is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mango is just they lose points a little bit for the difficulty in working with a mango. They are. They are. But but what I like about that, though, there is the difficulty, but there's a satisfaction in knowing you conquered it. Mm-hmm. And they also, if you look it up, maybe we'll tweet it out, uh, they show you the hack on how to cut a mango and eat it in a way that, that, that does the, that's a mango game changer. If you've ever avoided eating mangoes, 
Because of that, this will show you how to do it. Number seven, strawberries. Hard to argue. No, if anything, they feel a little low. Exactly. Number six, plums. Plums are great. The king of stone fruits. I love plums. Number five, apples. It's a versatility. I mean, who doesn't like apples? Who doesn't enjoy an apple? This is a great one. Clementines. I'm not going to lie. That's too high. I like clementines, but they're too high. But think about where oranges would be. And let me read you what they say. It's easily the easily peelable skin and lack of blank, uh, bleepy white grossness single-handedly solved the problem of oranges. This is basically the, the high, more highly evolved form of orange, and it gets rid of all the stuff. Like peeling an orange, if it works, is great, but usually you have too much pith. And then you have to kind of work around it, and it's bitter, and it doesn't taste good. It's hard to say. Clementines are oranges for the millennial generation that does not have the patience to deal with other stuff. And they are delicious. They are really good. They eat a whole bag of them. But here's the, here's the thing, though. First of all, just cut the orange into wedges, and you've basically got your problems solved. But just eat them in the wedge form. Mm. I mean, who actually peels an orange? Like, just eat, just eat them by, in wedge form. Most people peel oranges. No. CJ, when you eat an orange, do you peel it or do you cut it in wedges and then eat it that way? Yeah, I cut it all the time. Yeah, you just cut it into Does wedges. It, cut it into wedges and then I just peel them as I eat them, yeah. Oh, but then you peel afterwards. So I'll, I'll eat I'll eat out the, the orange part and then I'll throw the peel away. I'll throw the peel away. So uh, you don't bother with the actual peeling from the beginning? Uh-huh. No, that's what I'm saying. Who does that? It's for savages. But then you need a knife. Or you can't eat your orange. What do you? I mean, is this a list for like fruit eaters who are homeless? I mean, you've got a knife somewhere. Now here's one where I think is number <laughs> plus two. It's here's the other thing: Andrew Luck to peel an orange. Yeah, I mean, here, orange. here's the other thing that they're overlooking. But, Andy, but Andy's saying nobody peels them. Is my point? It, Clementines are a superior form of orange. Right? Do you but, not agree with that though? I don't know the difference. I just know that I, know, I just know I pick up an orange and then I cut it and I eat it. <laughs> right. But here's where I think they're overthinking it. The Clem- Cut up, CJ. <laughs> the the Clement- CJ's agreeing with me. The Clementines. Yeah, cuties, and that's all you need to worry about then. Because from what my son gets those, and they're really easy to peel. Right. They are. And they're but, delicious. Right. But, he, seeds. But, I mean, this is what, but this is what you're overlooking. First of all, perfect Clem- version of First oranges. of all, Clementines can have seeds in them. Second that's of all, I get. what you're overlooking is in order to be satisfied the way you would be from eating an orange, you have to eat four or five clementines, which means peeling four or five, and which is basically the same labor that goes into peeling an orange, which is stupid to begin with. Here's the uh, problem. Any seed, any fruit that doesn't have a seed is not a real fruit. Probably engineered or something like that. So no. Yeah, so Big Monsanto's <laughs> making your clementines right there. You don't know what those are. It's probably nuclear. Now, here's one where I would say like a one-eyed three, fish. Cherries. There's a big difference between the cherry, the fruit, and the cherry, the flavor. Like, I bought my kid a cherry Slurpee the other day. <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't That's cherry. not cherry in, you know, it's not a, you know, maraschino is like that flavor of cherry, I agree, is like, By the way, like sweet stuff. You, I don't think people realize how long a maraschino cherry stays in you if you eat that thing. Mar- they're, they're like the cockroaches of digested fruit or digested food. Like, they just stay there forever and don't go away. This sounds like a highly personal tale. Uh, no, I'm, I have not experienced this. No, no. I, I don't mean, you wouldn't that, experience it like you feel sick. I'm saying most people don't realize they take forever to get through you. Really? Is that there's, a scientific fact? Yes, as is my understanding. There, There's something about the way mar- maraschinos are either harvested or engineered, because they might be fake, that <laughs> they stick because, around for a while. I will say, this is clearly a question people have been asking a lot, because it came seven years. Mm-hmm. 
That's not possible. <laughs> no, that is absolutely not possible because I've eaten enough of them. My stomach would be full. That is an urban legend. You digest. Okay. Does a maraschino cherry stay in your stomach for seven years? Um, no. That's another one of those weird urban I didn't myths. say seven years. I'm saying they stay You digest while. maraschino cherries just as you would any other fruit or candy. Where'd you find that? The internet. <laughs> well, then, then it well, the same. Be. Well, shut up. The same place you found out the fact that they no, didn't. This was pre-internet. That I learned. <laughs> so no, I did not. It's, it takes fourteen. Probably to, heard in some fourteen stupid... to fifty-two hours, depending, which is the same as everything else. Hmm. Um, number two, bananas. Bananas are fantastic. Um, I like that they point out that they do come in a handy <laughs> carrying case. <laughs> and and they're versatile. You can turn bananas into other things. They're can't a great screw, base. Can't screw up. You always know when your banana's ready to eat. Yeah. Um, number one, this is a little controversial only because of the work involved. Pineapple. I love the pineapple. payoff is really high. The, again, it's similar to the mango. You feel like you earn it. There's a sense of satisfaction. But if you're going to ding oranges for their supposed difficulty in peeling, again, jack wagon, eat them in a wedge, it feels kind of hypocritical to give pineapple that much love. I, I, you know, similar to how I don't like arguing, like, you know, who the top 10 point guards of all time are. It's just like, did you kind of get the right guys in the group? I feel like they did this well. I mean, the, the hard part in a list like this is, like, what are your rules? Because I think if you if you go by the best possible example of each of these fruits, grapefruit is disgusting, and it deserves to be as low down on this list as it is. I like grapefruit, unfortunately, because, uh, and you can relate to this, we're both uh, heart patients, can't eat the grapefruit with uh, the baby aspirin. They can't? No. I don't eat grapefruit anyway. Well, this was difficult for me. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I just take comfort knowing that you're a worse heart patient than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, cantaloupe. I like like perfect versions of cantaloupe, perfect versions of honeydew. Love those things. But they're yeah. harder to find the perfection. A perfect mango probably is better, I think, than a perfect strawberry. Yes, a I would agree. A perfect blueberry. Blueberries are, ra- blueberries are the one area that I had a serious issue. Right. But they're rarely with this perfect. Li- That's the problem. They're rarely perfect, but even blemished <laughs> blueberries are really good they are and they deserve to be uh, rated better than 22 out of i think 27 well fruits. i tell you where they, they deserve to be above coconut yes and black blackberries and raspberries are in the mid-teens i think also ranked too low like both of them are better than clementines um, i'm gonna be honest they're both better than clementines and they're both better than kiwi yeah I, I like, like the, kiwis. The review of kiwi is great. The flavor is on point, but kiwis are, de- are deceptively gross fruit. They look like a um, testicle sack. I could say that. You can say that. Yeah. And they're sour, plus the seeds have the texture of broken light bulb glass. Kiwis are good. They're a little bit overrated. And I, th- fruit. I think also, too, kiwis end up getting a certain, certain amount of undeserved love. Because there's a feeling still of exotic with them. Yeah. Like kiwis are considered exotic in a way that apples aren't, even though apples are a much better fruit. I would say that my my top, my if I could pick one, like if I get the perfect example of it, what is the best one? I, I'd probably throw mango up there. Mango is really mango. strong. Mango is really strong. Like, I, I was just in Mexico on vacation with my family, and, you know, you can find really good mango in Mexico, and they had a lot of mango daily, um, mango and papaya, actually, which I think they rate, rate a little bit too low as Papaya's well. Papaya's pain in the ass, though. It, not really. It's not that big. It can be. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell exactly when it's time to eat it. It's very easy to let overripen. That is true. And there's a lot of scooping. That eh, I guess it doesn't. I, and goo. I don't know. Maybe mess. But they are good. Down in Mexico, I had so much good mango on a regular basis. Like it, it really just underscored how amazing a fruit it can be. Brought to you by the mango people. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, yeah, big mango. If you're looking to sponsor a podcast. This is the one. Like I said, it's August. <laughs> and I feel like if you've stuck with us this long today, you're probably cool with the, the fruit conversation. Uh, anything else? No. No, we don't want to use up any of our stuff for next week. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Vegetable. <laughs>